Thank you for coming into my office, James. Today's mission is deadly, and so I am authorizing you to use deadly force. I need you to collect six keys and then deposit those keys in eight different toilets. Those toilets are located 30 meters under water. If you refuse this mission, your license will be revoked. What say you, James? Are you up to the task? I just want to clarify. I'm putting keys in toilets? James, I don't need this kind of sass from you. Do you accept the mission that all of England is putting on your shoulders, or do you refuse and go rogue? Do I get to use my sniper rifle? Get in the ocean, put keys in the toilets. Keys, toilets, you in the ocean. All right, I'm doing it. Glug, 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 glug. Oh, he drowned immediately. (laughs) We traverse polluted waterways and brave aquatic puns in James Pond, Underwater Agent, this week on How Did This Get Played? Welcome to How Did This Get Played, the show where we discuss the worst and weirdest video games of all time. I'm Nick Weiger, along with Heather Ann Campbell. I'm Heather Ann Campbell, along with Matt Apodaca. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Welcome back, Bucket. Uh, And hey, I have a new catchphrase. This is courtesy of at Gavin underscore not on Twitter. Heather and Matt are cool. So I... (laughs) That was the the trial one I did for the first episode that Matt's that Apodaca suggested, and then people have just been suggesting that again and again. So I, I'm going to give it one more go, but let's try to come up with something new for next time. Well, Nick, I think third time's the charm. You know, like you said it three times, I think it's going to stick, baby. Hmm, it's like Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah, you got Beetlejuice, friend. That'll will it into existence. You guys are cool now. No, we are no. cool. It's just oh, it's willing an existence that you're saying it. <laughs> Got it. I want to know what an example catchphrase is of something you would like to say, since we've only heard something you would not like to say, which is a compliment. <laughs> uh, how, how about this? Hey, everyone. Let's Whoa. game and game safely. Yikes. Hmm, First off, treads real close on Apodaca's catchphrase. Okay, good note. Yeah, Fair watch note. your ass, bitch. <laughs> and the other is... It sucks for the rest of mm. the sentence. <laughs> All right. Well, it's just a first pitch. That's why I'm crowdsourcing. Uh, look, we have a lot more to discuss beyond my potential catchphrases. We have a an exciting game to get into and a fantastic what? guest. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. We have All right. A we have a guest. game to get into with a great guest. What do you want from me? I, I Let's get this on the right foot. Come on. We're, we're, we're working with each other. We have a game that sucks, <laughs> and we're pissed off. There it is. That's the energy you want? Yeah, Let's that's get into it. it. All right. Uh, but, bef- but before we get into this week's game, before we descend, as we always do in a gaming hell, it's time to spend 70 seconds, first of all, in gaming heaven. Abadaka, count us off. 
Go for it. You got something? Because I got something. Uh, I, I'll, I'll say real quick. I mentioned the, the most recent episode we record, which, recorded, which was the Last of Us 2 episode, uh, even though that came out two weeks ago. I mentioned that I was dabbling with the Uncharted series. I have since played through Uncharted 1, which was the only one I'd ever played to begin with. I, I replayed Uncharted 1, and they played Uncharted 2 for the first time. Uncharted 2 is fucking great. Uncharted yeah. 1, I feel like, is kind of like I, I, I was a little less excited about just because it was just a cover shooter it felt like but uncharted 2 is awesome and really really feels like you're playing an action movie uh go ahead heather i'm just gonna say that i'm really excited because i'm getting all my video games out of storage wow making them and they're gonna be active again so the upcoming like weeks of like heaven or hell or whatever the fuck this segment is called uh i'm i'm real excited because i'm gonna have some some real charmers coming out of retirement uh, and back into my hands and brain. Three, You're hooking up the old consoles two, up to your CRT. One. Yeah, yeah, yes, I am. I thought that was going to be it. I thought I, I thought I had mentally timed how long this segment was. Three, two, one. Stop. You have to stop. Wow. <laughs> kind of worked out. <laughs> so look forward to Heather's future what? entries in the segment, I guess. <laughs> So you're telling us all to anticipate. Yeah, please be excited. Be excited for that. And hey, be excited for this. Returning to the show, an actor and comedian from Super Ego and Bonanas for Bonanza, Matt Gorley is back. Hi, Matt. Hi, guys. I feel like I am brought onto this show relative only to the podcasts I do. So Jason Voorhees, James Bond. Mm. Is there mm. a Bananas? Is there a Bonanza video game? Hmm. I don't think so, but there are Western video games, mm. and I was going to ask you if there is any. I was actually going to ask if there's any if, if you've dabbled with the Red Dead Redemptions or the Sunset Riders, anything that's set in the Old West. I my friend James has been trying to get me to play Red Dead Redemption for so long, and I finally sat down to watch him play, and he spent 45 minutes looking for Feverfew, the the herb. <laughs> and I just, it was not a selling point. But I play so few current video games, except Uncharted 1 and 2 were two that I played and loved as well a couple years ago. Wow. So, and that is because, and I know you're, you're a huge James Bond fan, and, uh, but I, did you, did those, did the, the Uncharted games connect with you in kind of that, that James Bond sort of uh, franchise action movie sort of way? I think so. And same with Indiana Jones. They're kind of a perfect blend of the oh, yeah. two. Right. And I love both of those, definitely. And I think it had something to do with just straightforward kind of shooter games like that. Don't get me, but something with a little riddle and puzzle in there. Just spice it up a little. I love it. You like that pepper. That little, I like a little, yeah. little bit of pepper. I want to sneeze a little. <laughs> <laughs> There, there was, I will say that the puzzle design in, in two and three, which I'm currently playing for the first time is it, it, it's, it's very good. Cause you kind of will get these rooms where that, that one didn't really have as much of, but you'll kind of have these, these sequences where there's no combat and there's just something to sort of puzzle out, uh, you know, it, in, in the same way you might in like a, like a Zelda dungeon to use an, to use another mainstream example, um, and I, I found those really inventive and and uh, uh, particularly, you know, like like just uh, particularly in, in three, actually, I think three's puzzle design is like really, really good. Oh, I got to do that because it makes me really wish that there were real places you could go like that. Not like escape rooms where it's little keys and numbers and codes, but giant four arms of timber folding down and all this. Stuff. Right. And it could just never exist in real life. Do and you 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 don't think that that's been 
that somewhere, like, for example, Oak Island is that place where there's like a treasure buried in the middle of an island and it's got a bunch of traps and they're real traps. Uh, I've never heard you, about this. You've yeah, never what heard of that? Oak Island? My father is obsessed with it. I've been hearing about Oak Island since I was a child. Whoa. You, it, It's okay. So as far as I know, and this is paraphrasing my father's paraphrasing, there's mm. an island with a treasure, with a, with a tunnel straight down into the earth in the middle. Real quick, do you have a second source besides your father? Yeah, <laughs> you can you can okay. you can you can google it. You can right. google Oak Island. Okay. I'm sure that Nick is doing it right now. So there's this tunnel I'm looking in the at middle. the Wikipedia entry. Uh this was contributed by a user Heather's underscore dad. <laughs> so. <laughs> so so there's a the, the the a tunnel in the middle of the island. They break through this seal at the bottom of the tunnel and it floods with water and they're like, "What the fuck?" And then they trace all these channels out to the outside of the island. And if that seal was broken, the island would flood itself and flood the chamber. So then they have to send a camera down. And at the bottom of the tunnel, they find a hand. Uh, and they're like, what the fuck is it? But it just it's like layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of traps for something it's, that we uh, don't know. And it's got to be it's got to be empty. Right. I mean, like the point of the thing is going to be like, oh, the journey was the destination. Oh, Not so it's the, Captain Kidd, and mm. he did it in the late 1700s. This is like straight out of Goonies or Pirates. Yeah, of the it really Caribbean is. Or something. Yeah. So anyway, wow, it's got. Oh. There's got to be nothing there ultimately, but it, it is the the idea of that happening. I mean, that is the the appeal, I guess, of the of the Indiana Jones or or Uncharted franchises. Though there is an aspect to just like you're just at an ancient temple that you're just demolishing. Yeah. Like just shooting the shit out of, and then it's like crumbling when you're making your escape at the end. You're just like, oh, okay, well, this is millennial old history just being fucking decimated uh, by some guy who just sort of swooped in to, to fucking loot it. Yeah, these games don't survive the last couple of months or so. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, but, but, but they are like, I, I, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned... You, you don't play a lot of contemporary games. We talked a little bit about about James Bond games on your previous uh, episode, your previous appearance. Um, but it, it, this game, the one we're, we're talking about, James Pond this week, is firmly anchored in the 16-bit era. And I'm wondering, was that an era when you were ever playing games, your, your Super Nintendos, your Sega Genesis, your TurboGrafx-16s, if you will? Yeah, and probably just slightly before that, I was big into Sega Mastercism. Mastercism. <laughs> you can hire me to come over for a Sega Mastercism, and I will... Uh, I'm not going to change that. I'm going to go... I think it should be called Sega Mastercism. But I may have mentioned this when I was on before, that I think there was no reason I chose Sega over Nintendo when they first came out, solely other than I love the way the console looked. And I thought, right. like, what's going to sit on top of my TV... And then I ended up loving Sega, but I never got Genesis or or NES or any Nintendo after that. I just kind of like stuck to Sega Master System and Game Boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, the there is something to the aesthetic of the Master System and the the Genesis ended up being an, or or the uh, the Mega Drive as it was called in outside of North America. It ended up informing more what consoles ultimately ended up looking like yeah. versus the Nintendo, which was more the Nintendo's was always aesthetic was always more toy like. Or and like, then I mean, ultimately the it ended up being itself? 
Yeah, yeah I feel like. Yeah. I feel, okay, I yeah. feel like it, it, it ended up looking that like that looks more like a piece of consumer electronics, like something an adult would put under their TV, which is what video game consoles ultimately ended up being. Let me put it this way. Between Sega and Nintendo, the first systems, you could take their two guns and one of them you could play with, you know, convincingly as a child and go, this is a laser gun. The other one felt just like a video game toy. So I was looking right. at dual purpose here. Like, how much am I going to get for my money? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Um, did you have any, uh, did you have any favorite master system games? Yeah, there was this game called Zillion that I just loved because it was, I was so big into anime at the time and Robotech and it was kind of right in line with that. And I was obsessed with that game and Wonder Boy and Wonder Boy and Monsterland. Oh, did I, I love mention this? Wonder Boy and Monsterland oh, yeah. so fucking so, much. So much. I, I might've mentioned this last time, but I, I rode my bike in the rain like a half day trip to Kmart to buy this thing. And I just still remember it as this long journey that normally would be done for someone like going to get food. But I felt like it was life or death <laughs> or something. <laughs> I like in uh, Wonder Boy in Monsterland, you ha- in order to get clues of where to go next, you have to like buy drinks from bartenders. <laughs> yeah, mead. Yeah. And it would go like ale or mead. Yeah. And at the time those words didn't mean anything to me. They they were just nonsense. (laughs) And now I'm like, oh, wow. How cool was it that I was being offered alcohol as a child? Like, (laughs) that's not something that happens in Super Mario Brothers. They're not like whiskey or gin. I was fascinated by mead for video game reasons because it was present in like the PC RPGs I was was playing back in the day of just like, oh, mead, what is this beverage? And like, I didn't know. Did you ever try it and find it disappointing? Because what I had imagined in my mind, same thing with whiskey. Yeah. Did never lived up to what I thought it was going to be. No, man. No, I've never had mead. There's a there's a place in Burbank that has mead and I've had mead and it's fucking awesome. It's very sweet. Oh, it's so good. It's like drinking like cough syrup without any of the bad parts. It's delicious. (laughs) I feel like Heather, of course you would, of course you would know where to find mead and of course you would like it. (laughs) What's that mean? I'm just not surprised by that at all. It just totally tracks what I know of your personality. Do you ever just wait around when you get mead for the bartender to give you a little clue on how to get forward on the game at all? (laughs) So the thing is, at that bar, it's a game bar, which is why they have mead. So they have a wall of board games, and then they also show esports on the screens instead of regular sports. Oh, wow. Uh, And then they have a great liquor selection, some food, and I don't know the name of it off the top of my head, which is a shame because now people are just going to have to Google game bar Los Angeles mead question mark. (laughs) Right. Um, It's but it was it's a real good time. And I feel like they'd be up for giving you a clue if you were like, so what what's happening in the realms or whatever the, I don't know what you would say you must have four more bitlets for winged boots I remember winged boots were a thing in Wonder Boy and Monster Land yeah, too winged yeah. boots and man winged this boots has are been cool great we're having a good time yeah sure is uh, I feel like I like I love the idea of winged boots because it it can it gives you the gift of flight but without like wings it's it, like without like wings on your back. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, mm. can, you can fly like Superman style, which was always the more exciting form of flight. The the one where it just has no connection to physics at all. It's like purely magical. Yeah. You can, you can kind of stay in the standing position and fly. Right. You can just navigate in three dimensions w- with ease. And interestingly, that is how it feels to pilot James Pond 
through his oh. underwater environments. No, it does not feel like that. It doesn't feel like that at all. You don't think so? As Should... opposed to other water levels? Because you can pretty na- you can navigate pretty freely in three dimensions. Yeah. Sh- uh, or in two we... dimensions in the case of this game. Do you want to like launch into a James Bond underwater agent's platform Let's video game? It. Developed yes. by British video game developer Millennium Interactive and published by Millennium Interactive for the Sega Genesis, the Atari, the Amiga... The Acorn Archimedes. Uh, it was released in 1990. Now, I have the um, manual here for the Genesis. And the manual opens with a little bio about the uh, designer and artist of James Pond. Uh, and I would like to, um, I'd like to read that. Uh, the designer of James Pond is Chris Sorrell. He lives in Matlock, Derbyshire, United Kingdom. He's 18 years old. His interests are music, films, computer games, and driving. His dream job was a designing movie special effects. Chris began his programming com- career on the Atari 900 and Commodore 64, later moving on to the Amiga and Sega Genesis. His first professional project came along when he was 16, providing the Atari ST and Amiga graphics for the game based on the British television series Splitting Image. He later provided graphics for Dogs of War, Bad Company, and A Fire and Brimstone. James Pond is his first Sega Genesis project. Guys, it's like this game was designed from the dude from Bandersnatch. Like, it's like a fucking dude <laughs> making this game, and it's like right. his dream come true. Yes. It, it's it's awesome, and also the... Yeah, I, I read that manual page, and the dude looks like, he, uh, like a hair metal front man. Like oh, he's yeah. got this just this amazing mane. Um, and but I, I this is actually a thing about games that the creators are so rarely put at the forefront. Like it, like it, it falls to someone who's a self promoter like a, you know, and a, a, like a Sid Meier who puts his name on the box or God love him, Hideo Kojima, you know, someone who's just going to say, like, this is my game and this is this thing that I made. Someone who would name a studio after themselves. To, because so often the 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 creator the the artist behind these games is like buried behind the developer's name and the publisher's name, and I I don't know I like first off it's awesome that an eighteen year old made this yeah. game by himself yeah yeah like that's fucking incredible yeah and I like that he like used his leverage to put himself in the front of the manual like that they that he was able to do that it's it's great look I want to say immediately that this game is not good. But everything else about the game is excellent. Like, if we were going to score the manual or any of the bits or any of that shit, it would be tens all the way down. But, like, <laughs> like opening with you, opening with the bio of the designer, 10 out of 10. <laughs> um, so this game, you mentioned this was, uh, this was mostly known as a, as a Mega Drive slash Genesis game. But there, it was originally on the Amiga and the Atari ST, the home computers. And I, I will say, I watched some gameplay. I couldn't get my Amiga uh, emulator working, but I watched some Amiga gameplay. It looks so much better on the Amiga. Just because just I, I, it was optimized for that hardware. Uh, it has like these, these, these nice backgrounds. There's these gradients it uses throughout. Whereas the, the, the Genesis port, it's just solid colors. That like, you know, it's... And, and a lot of times I feel like the, the game is... I mean, the character design of James Pond himself is okay, but I feel like the game is not graphically super 
it's it's just not super appealing. So you mean the fact that you're swimming in water that is bright yellow, so it looks like you're just (laughs) in urine for like an entire round of the game? Well, in level two, you're swimming in brown water. It looks like liquid shit. So they mix it up a little bit. I think this is like the connection of just kinks of James Bond when you get into his, <laughs> his fetishes and stuff. Because other than other than the pun on the name and an occasional nod musically, it felt like it had very little connection to James Bond. And I'm wondering what came first. Well, right. hold hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Maybe you need to hear a little bit more from the game manual. I would love to. Uh which is that from the blustery Baltic to the Bay of Bengal, from the penguin rookeries, 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 from the penguin rookeries to the horse latitudes, the three quarters of the world that lies under the sea is threatened. Oil spills, toxic waste, mad scientists, and worse of all, the insidious Dr. Maybe. Who yeah. will swim in their way? The name is Pond. James Pond. Agent Double Bubble Seven. <laughs> so here's my first note for the game. Where are we going? Agent Double Bubble 7. Shouldn't it just be Agent Bubble 07? Yes. The pun's a little yes. clunky. Right. Right. They, I, they, they, have, they, have, they have a bunch of puns that I feel like, like uh, don't quite land. Another one is License to Bubble. Yeah, why not License to Krill? Or yeah. License to Gill. You got two fish on. Yeah, oh, License oh, man, to Gill. Right there. God, you know, I haven't even started thinking about these, and now I'm not going to be able to stop. So <laughs> a, I'm just going through what? all the titles now. This is so. This is uh, as if you are in the underwater levels of a Super Mario Brothers game. You swim the entire time. You don't have to press a button to swim. You just kind of direct them around, and your goals. So you're in License to Bubble, which is the first level. Your first mission is simple. Locate keys to free trapped lobsters from cages before they are abducted by evil lobster catchers. Good luck, Pond. Press fire. (laughs) I'm writing some down. What? Um, (laughs) You're you're writing down puns? What are you doing? Well, I'm going through all the films, and my goal is by the end of this to have one for every one of the 25 (laughs) movies. Well, keep in mind, you'll have to top... The fish with the golden bar, and orchids are forever. Orchids are forever. Come it's, about, it's come on. We've okay. got from Three Mile Island with love hmm. for your fins only. <laughs> Some kind of work. A view to a spill. Leak and let die. Like I'll, I'll give leak you those. And let, uh, leak fish, and let die. Fish fingers. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, the level names are all puns on on uh, James Bond movies, but they just took the fair the first pitch they could come up with. <laughs> uh, I will say they o- the they open with a like they open with an MGM style lion roar, except it's James Pond himself in the MGM logo. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Yes. And that makes you kind of think it's going to be more of a spoof than it actually is, because it really isn't. It, it like like Gorley was saying, it's really just a platform game with a little bit of of James Bond adjacent trappings but for the most part it, this could be anything yeah it feels like he designed it with a bow tie 
and was just doodling around and then went, oh, James Bond sometimes wears a bow tie. James Bond. Oh, there it is. I'm in. I've done it. The work is done. <laughs> this, I wasn't going to write a bio about myself in the manual until I hit on this, but now the people are going to want to know who came up with this. I better get to work on that and leave the work on the game to just sit. Um, the uh, the music, there is, yeah, there are some James Bondy themes, but really the main s- spy one they use is kind of more of the Peter Gunn theme. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I was expecting a lot more from the music in this game. Like, I expected the, mu- like, James Pond, okay, we're doing spy fish something, right? Like, I expected the music to be action-based. And instead, uh, Alpadaga, I sent you a track. Yeah. Can you play that first track? Here we go. Yeah, this is like the main theme that plays for most of the levels. Maybe all of the levels. (laughs) This sounds like Oompa Loompa's marching or something. (laughs) Yeah. This is like the exit music you'd hear after the Country Bear Jamboree. Yeah. Like, at least throw in some bubbles or something. Pretty abrasive. (laughs) Again, it does sound a little better on the Amiga. I think that, I think a lot of this is just the, the fact that it's a port. Uh, So, yeah, you've got to pick. I watched in the, in the screen here, I watched Devin, like, realizing what he's going to have to compose for the theme song. And it's like, like, face just sort of dropping and like, his, his, (laughs) like, his shoulders slumping over. Recoiling. Yeah. Yeah, it was like we were watching his reaction to an ISIS beheading video. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um so the so there's an essential mechanic which you have to get from the manual. You're not going to figure it out on your own, which is the press down plus B to pick items up. That's the only way you can solve a lot cuz so much of the game is either it's either escort missions or it's like, you know, uh or, or or it's you're either taking all these fish and getting them to this one location or you're like um uh you know, collecting objects and using them in some way. The lobster level, the first one, you have to pick up these keys and then use them to unlock uh, these lobster traps. You you unlock enough of them, you can progress to the next level. One thing that I do like in this game is that for some reason you can just go home at any time. Like there's like a pipe in your level that just leads back to your house where you can just hang out. And time still like click ticks by, ticks by. Like you could run out of time just hanging out at home. But if you want to escape from the action for some reason, you can just go back there and, and chill. <laughs> I also like that at the home, it give, it's like you're supposed to stock up on weapons or whatever to go back into the level. But like the the wh- how, well, hold on, I got to pull it up because it's a screenshot on my computer here. Oh, so your your home is like a wrecked boat, several wrecked boats on the ocean floor. And then giant bubble letters say select an item with an exclamation point. And if you don't select anything, it says nothing, exclamation point. I wish that I could <laughs> convey how funny that is. I'll have to upload it, too. And also in the corner of the screen, James Pond is really pissed off at you for being yes. in his house. Yeah, it feels like you're know. just wasting time. Well, how would James yeah. Bond feel if he just had to go back and hang out at his apartment while the, the fucking mission had to take place? This is I about the think- only thing I can speak to. He wouldn't <laughs> feel good. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> I could tell you about his house. I want to feel helpful. 
He's got a Scottish housekeeper named May, and that's all I have to say. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, in the books, yeah. Wow. Wait, and, is is the house in oh uh, the James Bond movie where he has to home alone? The like oh, Skyfall. That, that's like Skyfall. yeah, that one's in Scotland. That's I'm talking about like his flat in England. But yeah, uh, that one is his Skyfall ancestral home in Scotland. And then they have him. They have his like apartment or flat in Spectre. But in the books, he has this Scottish housekeeper. And Fleming was like obsessed with scrambled eggs, so he's eating scrambled eggs in almost every book. And I tried making them the other week because we're cooking now that we're all home a lot. And it's more butter than eggs. You put in like half a stick of butter. It's crazy, but man, Wait, good. The recipe for his eggs are in the book. Yeah, yeah. He goes and into great detail. A half stick of butter and like how many eggs? Well, the recipe's for like a lot, but it boils down to basically like if you're having three eggs, it's almost a half stick of butter. It's insane. Oh, wow. It's, yeah. That's excessive. Yeah. It's so creamy. But this is from the guy who no joke would drink a full bottle of gin a day and something like seven, 70 cigarettes. So Jesus. There, the kind of the rule was if it's healthy, I'm not interested. Kill me with food <laughs> and vices. This is Fleming who would do this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't under like I I hear sometimes about the consumption habits of these high functioning alcoholics and I just don't get it. Like I had three glasses of wine last night and I can't like think today. Yeah, well, like I just woke up and fair, I just my brain was just has not worked. He died at I think fifty four or something. Oh, like okay, that. yeah. So there's an upside. Yeah, he died of <laughs> he died of eggs. <laughs> guys i i know this is off topic but since we're talking diet i started whole 30 oh uh, my girlfriend wanted to do some whole 30 so i'm doing whole 30 and i've never had more energy in my life i feel what like i'm whole... losing my mind wow what is whole 30 no sugar no alcohol no flour so it sounds like keto at first but you can have okay. as many fruit as you want as all the fruit you can eat just eat fruit as much as you want. Uh, no legumes, mm. um, but all the potato that you want. It's a real weird diet. It's like it's a fad diet, I think. But it's mm. like I've never had more energy ever. Like I feel insane. Whole thirty. <laughs> from how did this get played? <laughs> um, there the health bar in this game. You're talking about the details. Nice. The, the details that we like. Very the health nice. bar is the, called the fishometer. Mm. Which is fun, uh, and and the your fishometer slowly drains if you're out of the water, if you're fish out of the water, because you can you can emerge from the deeps, and then you just kind of hop around like a pogo stick on your little fish tail when you're outside of the water. It, it, it's it, you mentioned this being like a Mario level, like a Mario underwater level, and it is but also the the way you navigate like you don't have to you're not gravity doesn't affect you at all underwater you can no. just move freely in in the in all four directions yes so you don't have to do any sort of paddling or anything like that the fish is pretty pretty no. nimble it's look i it's it does not feel good mechanically <laughs> like it's no. not an enjoyable experience to have all that freedom and seemingly no physics it's almost like just moving a mouse around on the screen. Like it doesn't have like a flow or an energy to it. Right. Also, speaking of that health bar, there were times where it would drain and I'd be like, but I'm in the water. What the fuck is happening to me? 
Well, like you could I, have been just I, like adjacent to like a toxic waste barrel or being be chased by the ghost of a sea captain. Because I've noticed that when the sea captain's ghost is chasing you, your health bar steadily drops for some reason. Sea captain's mm. ghost. So yeah. James Bond. So <laughs> James Bond. God, if I had a dime. Um, is, it, is it more James Bond to have a sea captain's ghost? Or is it more James Bond to name Mission 10 Money Raker? <laughs> I well, like Money Raker. I guess because you got Moon Raker and yes. Money Penny. Is he kind of blending those two? Hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't know if that's if it's quite a portmanteau. Let me give you some detail of what happens in the mission. Maybe we could figure we could uh, reverse engineer it. The lost city of Atlantis has been found. Well, and 10 that's a Bond reference. Are half buried among the ruins. <laughs> that's a Bond reference in Spy Who Loved Me. The villain's lair is called Atlantis. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 So the the here the they found Atlantis and then you've got to retrieve you know like I said it's just it's just usually about finding objects or escorting uh, characters and here you've got to find ten priceless vases uh, so you can progress <laughs> mission five for your fins only I think we mentioned this one this I just like because the premise of this level is insane nine toxic waste containers are submerged along the Mediterranean coast you must find six of the nine containers take them to a nearby beach and drop them in the path of one of the local tough guys. When the tough guys walk in the containers, they'll be knocked unconscious. So you've just got these like British beach toughs who are walking around <laughs> above ground, and then you've got to bring a toxic waste container to there to like knock them out. What? It's so weird. And if we know anything from RoboCop, it's that when that toxic waste touches those people, they will melt and scream for death before exploding. <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned RoboCop because as far as I can tell, the much more popular sequel to James Pond, anecdotally, it seems like there's a lot more uh, uh, info on this game than there is on the original one, which we played. Uh, the sequel, James Pond, codename RoboCod, which is yep. a RoboCop what reference. fuck? Yeah, they, they completely, <laughs> they completely changed franchises for the second entry. <laughs> And then James Pond 3, Operation Starfish. Wait. Which, oh God. that's always a sex reference, right? Starfish <laughs> is always a sex reference. There's no other context for Starfish if Wait, it's going to be like, a pun, right? Oh, my God. I, I don't think they were saying, like, Operation Butthole. Well, that's that, what you're saying. That would have made more sense. <laughs> are, are there any Thunderball references? Because that movie is almost entirely underwater. If by Thunderball reference, you mean that there were spinoff sports games called the Aquatic Games and James Pond in the Deathly Shallows. Okay, this guy's just crossbreeding movie franchises and needs <laughs> to be stopped. This is ridiculous. Well, well, I think Deathly Shallows was the attempt to bring back James Pond in the 2010s. And I don't, I think that was a Kickstarter campaign that, that didn't end up going anywhere. Oh. Well, well. Uh, I, of, of, I, I believe actually, no, that, so Deathly Shallows was released for iOS. The Kickstarter campaign that you're oh, referring to is that, uh, James Pond, Pond is back, would feature the game's original designer, Chris Sorrell. Uh, the Kickstarter was canceled on October 7th, 2013, as the funding target looked unlikely to be achieved. Got it. So there was an aborted Kickstarter, but they actually did come up with an iOS entry. And and this got one of them got ported to Switch, I I believe. I think maybe the 
codename Robocod, which ended up being ported to the Super Nintendo as Super James Pond. L- let me talk about something that, that the most confusing thing in this game for me, in a game that, that already has confusing objectives. In my playthrough, and then I double ch- I cross-check this with a YouTube Let's Play, some of the levels are out of order. Now, the levels are numbered, but it goes from level two to four and then goes back to level three. Similarly, goes to uh, mission eight seems to come before mission seven, which is so I like I have no idea why they did this. And then I also have no idea why they just kept the numbers at all. Like, why not just eliminate the numbers in the text? Well, I feel like this is solely because they shot the movies out of order with the books, and he's really trying to keep canon <laughs> and consistent here. He seems to care about that. That's the only thing I can think. <laughs> Gorley, do you just feel sort of defeated by these <laughs> these kinds of things? Like, if you love Bond, then then James Pond must make you feel sigh the way like most of Nick Weiger's jokes make me sigh. Sort of like a, uh, yeah, I guess I, I'm not mad by any means. I don't have any kind of entitlement or ownership. I, I won't lose sleep over this, but I do feel like, hey, if you're going to do it, why squander it? You must, you must, he just doesn't give a damn about James Bond personally. Otherwise he would have done more than these like cursory puns or something. But, to, you know, he's obviously more interested in hair metal and things like that. So <laughs> I don't I, I mean, I'd like to sit down with the guy. I'd like to a, I'd like to see what he's doing now, but I'd like to pick his brain and see where he was at the time. And if he has any regrets, I, I mean, <laughs> I wish he would have done better. Have you guys played any of the old James Bond games? Because I used to have one on Commodore 64 that was like the spy who loved me. And it was super lo-fi and kind of a side-scrolling game where you're in the Lotus car submarine underwater and stuff. And that one wow. was really fun. Yeah. I, I no, shouldn't I say it was fun, but. I, I don't remember any any James Bond games prior, uh, messing around with any James Bond games prior to Goldeneye. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there, there was, I, I know there was like a text adventure I, I looked up and then, uh, and, but you're saying the Commodore 64 one, this was like a, a graphic adventure? Yeah, and that's the one that had Atlantis underwater and you were kind of oh, trying wow. to shoot it and stuff. It was super old school, but I used to enjoy it. Wow. Yeah. Is that, was there anything to like, was it just straight up action combat or was there any sort of like tactical espionage sort of side to things? No, I wish there was, but I, I think I remember the one you're talking about. I never played it, but there is, I think one that was a little bit more brainy, but this one was really basic. It was a cartridge right. too for a Commodore 64. They had a cartridge slot. I didn't have, oh, yeah. I couldn't afford a disc drive. Mm-hmm. And my dad had one of those cassette drives that you could save programs on cassette my stepdad but he wouldn't let me use it so i had to do programs and then just shut it off at the end of the day and wipe them out oh man that's maddening yeah wow uh i i my my dad also had a commodore 64 and i don't i you know that was like some of the earliest gaming i ever did i remember right on bungling bay and i think there was also a game called impossible mission Mm. which was like a it was all it was another you know kind of espionage adjacent game but it's uh but I, I just I can vaguely remember playing these games in any way, in any capacity. I certainly don't remember. I, I don't remember if these. I think there was they were on cartridges, but I don't remember any any tape drive or anything. Do you guys remember a game on other platforms that I had on Commodore sixty four called Gateway to Appshy, and it was kind of like a uh, almost like a precursor to Gauntlet. Do you guys remember? Oh wow! That at all? No. 
No, well, I don't. I don't remember awesome. this at all. What was it exactly? What was it? Was it was like exactly? you just going through levels and levels of dungeons, and you would meet vampires and priests and lackeys, but they all looked exactly the same. They were just different colors, and you just had to go floor to floor to floor, and it got harder and harder and harder. That's all I remember. Um, I'm watch. I'm looking at some clips of this right now. Gateway to Apshai. Uh, awesome awesome box art yeah and yeah it does look very very you know just just very crude early you know pre-8-bit graphics but um the thing i like in the screenshot is that the enemy you are fighting here is a garter snake <laughs> yeah that, they would start small because then you'd get to cobras and stuff but the first levels were really easy and you had to like cut away the border world to go into it it's like it would reveal itself to you as you went on it was interesting if you guys had to pick something in the room that you're currently in to use as a weapon on an RPG quest, what would you grab? Hmm. I've got a, a military knife here, oh. and that would be mine. <laughs> Jesus. I've got a, a stormtrooper blaster. <laughs> no, that, that would help. Very good. But if we're, if, we're applying, if we're saying RPG logic, that that would work in... Oh, my God. A functional Stormtrooper blaster would be pretty functional. That's amazing. You guys have actual weaponry. I was going to say my bottle of Pellegrino. That's pretty much all I'm working with. <laughs> good. Oh. This is a good-looking knife. Yeah, that's like, uh, like a K-bar, like an old-school one. It's a good-looking knife that I keep in my yeah. podcasting studio, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> so the ending of the last level of this game, naturally, we want to show down with the villainous Dr. Maybe. And here's what we get on Mission 12. The goal of Mission 12, I'm going to read this from the manual. The scientists are after you now. You can escape, but first you must find 10 organically grown pears, the favorite food of small orange fish such as yourself, so you and your family will have enough to eat as you get away. Once you have found a pear deposited in the entrance pipe, you need to find eight of the 10 pears in order to escape. Okay, it is my job to connect everything to James Bond. Because how <laughs> does a pear connect to James Bond? Well, yes. I'll tell you. In Casino Royale, the book, when he and Vesper Lynn are like temporarily victorious, she orders like a, a dessert treat and he gets for dessert something called an avocado pear, which turns out is just an avocado, but it was so exotic in 50s England that they called it the avocado pear. And he, wow. that's what he ate for dessert. This is all I can contribute to this. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, if we, if we name the... If we describe a mission to you, you think you can, do you think you can connect it to James Bond yes. no matter what? I think, yeah, give it to me. Let me try. <clears throat> In the frozen Arctic, eight seals are being threatened by vicious Arctic trappers. You must evade the trappers and lead each seal to safety of the entrance pipe. A minimum of five seals must be rescued to complete the mission. Okay, well, James Bond goes on a mission in the Arctic to get a computer chip from a dead agent buried in the snow. And then there's also like an oil pipeline in The World Is Not Enough. Does that work? This is fucking incredible. Pretty okay. good. <laughs> Give me some more. This Give me incredible. some more. Okay, here we, go. Right. here we go. A tropical rainforest is threatened by construction workers. The only way that you can save the exotic trees is to find special magic orchids, which are growing under the water. You must plant one at the base of eight of the nine trees. In Moonraker, the villain's plan is to harvest this like um, poison from an or orchid to kill off all humans, but all plant life and animals will still live. So what awesome. we're learning wow. is that we is that we owe Chris Sorrell an apology. Yeah, <laughs> this guy's going deep, and I tip yeah. my hat to him. I apologize. 
Chris. We're just not true enough James Bond fans to get wow. all those deep cut references. How did I not see it? He is just not taking the easy road. Oh my God. Um, well, hey, that's pretty much all there is to the game. I mean, it is, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. It's pretty repetitive. I mean, there's not, there's not a lot. The, 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 the you know, the combat is kind of like bubble bobble. You, you shoot a bubble and you, you, you kick an enemy when they're tra- entrapped in a bubble. You collect things and you, uh, and you rescue sea creatures. And that's pretty much all that you got going on. Well, how um, about, how about it, this? How about yeah. this? Why don't we play another piece of music from the game? Which uh, is my favorite kind of music where it sounds sort of like a thing, but they don't have the rights to that thing. So they change some of the notes Mm. so that it is no longer the thing. I mean, there's more to talk about here. We don't got to move on to our final thoughts. Nick, hold up a second. Okay, well, listen to this. Oh. I think this is what they play in a windowless cell to break James Bond. <laughs> I think if you wanted to get the real effect of the game, that you should uh, go on YouTube, find that track, and just put it on, put, just play it for like six hours, <laughs> nonstop. Look, the, the, the people want us to play these bad games. They want us to play these old games. They want to hear the pain in our voices as we describe that this sucked and that it doesn't have any. I mean, look, maybe it was great at the time. And I hate denigrating somebody's art. And this fucking dude made this and he was 18 years old. And like when I was 18, I I was fucking shitting in my hand and like eating it. (laughs) Really? 18? Well, now let me connect that to James Bond. I will say this is a as there are some 16-bit games that are very very playable and still extremely fun. This one it it feels a little dusty, but I think playing this in 1990, this is a perfectly average game for the generation and as something that was basically the work of a one-man team with it seems like help from a composer and help from a programmer for the the Mega Drive port. Uh this is a I think this is like a like a you know a, a totally totally like fine achievement. Like this is a this is a very this is a playable game. It just hasn't aged super gracefully. Uh, but I, I mean, I guess we should we should get to our final thoughts on this. Uh, so it's time for our review crew. We'll say something positive about James Pond. And then we will give it a decimal numerical rating. I will begin. James Pond Underwater Agent, I think is... Here's what I'm going to (laughs) say. I like that James Pond Underwater Agent has a lot of treasures that make no sense because it was making me laugh that some of the main collectibles in the game are teddy bears at the bottom of the ocean and I love New York mugs. 
I was like, I don't know what this has to do with anything. I can, God, but I can sure. tell you, there's a little girl assassin with a teddy bear that briefly glimpsed on the screen in, I think, The Living Daylights. And there's a short story called James Bond in New York. My God, this well, guy. Well, there you go. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I guess my positive is I like all the deep cut James Bond references. <laughs> I am going to give this a score of uh, double bubble seven. Ooh, all right. Wow. Go, go ahead, Heather. Is that two zeros before your seven? I hope that's point zero. Yeah, that's two zeros. <laughs> yeah, that's two zeros. It's to the thousandth decimal point. Oh, boy. I mean, hoof. The opening screen where you see the MGM logo, but it's James Pond, is good. Um, that's my positive. I give this game... Uh, uh, I mean, it's a one. Sure. It's a, it's a point one. All right. I, I'm sorry. It's a point zero zero one. Wow. <laughs> wow. It just kept losing a 10th place in decimal. <laughs> Just kept getting divided. All right, Matt Apodaca, what do you think? All right, here's my here's my big my big thing. I had no fun with this. The <laughs> most fun that I had was just the, like truly, if I'm gonna peel back the curtain a little bit, at the conception of the idea to have the game to do to do this game with Matt Gorley. I was like, this will be great. I love that <laughs> we're gonna do this. What a treat. <laughs> That was the most fun I had with this. Oh. And then it, it truly stopped there. It started again when we started recording because I just like all involved. <laughs> but uh, there's, not, there's no fun to be had with this. I do, I will say that I do love the character design of James Pond. I think he looks like a sweet chap. He yeah. looks cute. Yeah. He's very cute. He's got like very round cheeks. He's not a hardened spy. He looks like he's like, like I, I don't know. I mean, he looks... He looks like a fish with a gun and a vest. <laughs> and I love that about him. Uh, he, he's, he's such a sweet little man. And that's who, who I'll give the soul uh, point, uh, zero, zero. I won't go give it that low. It's because it's, it plays. You can play it. It's playable. Yeah. I'm going to give it a, a point five. Yeah. It's, it's, I think that's, I think that's a, you know, what, view our scores through the prism of this is a playable game. It's just, I think the only reason to play it would be if you had some nostalgia attached to it because you played it in your youth. I think if you just yeah. ap approach this cold today, it's it, it's maybe not the most fun thing to fun to be had. Uh, all right, Gorley, something positive in your numerical decimal score. What are these uh, scores out of? Uh, a million. A million. Oh, oh, great. Okay. All right. Well, listen, um, I got to hand it to this guy because uh, you put this game on and it, it disappoints immediately, but the effect it has is it makes me want to put on a James Bond movie instead, and mm -hmm. that's worth something to me. So I'm going to give it a seven out of a million. Wow. wow. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I Strong didn't realize it was out of a million, and I thought a seven out of a million, I think that that can stand. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, those were our thoughts, but Heather, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're wrong. We've got some online reviews that maybe disagree with our takes. I've got one from GameFAQs. This is by Safia. I love this title. Help! 
Roger Moore's A Fish. <laughs> I like this game. And if you like the James Bond movies like me, you'll pro- you probably would too, or vice versa. The controls are pretty simple and allow you to move James freely, but at the first level, you may not be able to grab the first key at first. You'll get that quick, though. In-game graphics are okay. The background could use some more detail, but it's the title screen and subtitle screen you want to look at. There's a pic of him taking the mick out of the MGM line, and another where he's getting all loved up by two girlfish. There's no sex in a game for everyone. I give it drumroll 8 out of 10. Wow. Hmm. Wow. Um, There is a near 2,000 word uh, review for this game on GameFAQs that I'm not going to quote, which was written in 2009. Wow. Uh. Uh, but I will be reading um, this uh, this review, I believe, comes from the Internet. Uh, it is by uh, Tybalt7 in 2006. Title of the review, it's why I got an Amiga. In the dark days before my ownership of the mighty dream machine itself, I used to humbly sit in various electrical re- retailers, silently watching the demonstration levels of James Pond playing out with awe. Oh, yes. This graphical masterpiece was what led me to crave the Amiga so. When I finally got my Amiga, I only had James Pond for a short time. Why? I don't know. Because I did (laughs) love the game as much as I anticipated that I would. A fishy puzzler with a tie-in to the wonderful film film franchise. What more could you ask for? (laughs) One day, I will find James Pond again. And hopefully, it won't ruin any of my memories just affirm how great it was. 9.9. Wow. Wow. I'm jealous of that guy because if that's <laughs> how easily you're pleased, this guy must be the happiest motherfucker that ever lived. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I, I have one more. This is, a, this is from 1991. This is the May 1991 issue of Sega Power magazine. James Pond was on the cover. This is a UK uh, publication. The Cod That Roared. James Pond stars in the first ever Mega Drive game made in the UK. Uh, I'll read from some of this. A headline from the story inside. Made in Britain. James Pond was originally released on the Atari ST and the Commodore Amiga in 1990. Both versions of the game did very well, and now Mega Drive owners can once again reap the benefits of having tried and trusted games converted to the Sega. Electronic Arts are justifiably proud of this achievement. Not because Pond is a good game, but because it is the world's first all-British Mega Drive title, designed, coded, and published in the UK. Sega Power thinks this is great news. Firstly, it illustrates that the fact that the British Sega scene is just getting bigger and bigger, now able to support independent development. This won't be the only such all-British game. Hopefully, it will be the first of many others. If games are designed and coded in Britain, it means that the finished product will be more in tune with the British idea of what makes a good game, designed primarily not for the Japanese, not for the Americans, but for us. I was startled to learn that this was at one point a like a, na- a a piece of national pride, a point of national pride for UK game development. But I guess this what this game does have some sort of historic. You know, hmm. maybe that's my good thing. This game has some sort of historic legacy as like being one of the fir- one of the earliest all UK all British uh, uh, game games that was released. Yeah, and there's an implication that. British culture will enjoy this more than others, that it has subtleties of British <laughs> gameplay. <laughs> and now, now I'm wondering if there's anything to that that is just a little more laid back or or maybe more uptight. I don't know. It It's interesting. I'd love to, if, there, if any of our listeners are in the UK... Uh, and have fond memories of this game or, or you know, revere it for whatever reason, I'd love to hear about it because, I, yeah, I, I, it could be one of those things where just it has some some 
cultural relevance in the in the British game scene because or the British game scene uh, because of its uh, because of its significance. Uh, Heather, do you have any more? Well, I wanted to end by saying that this extremely long two to five thousand word essay on James Pond that's available on Games Facts Game Facts uh, ends with a rating of three. So this was not a review Jesus. written by somebody who loved the game. It was you scroll multiple times to get to the end of this review, and then it ends with a three. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, that was maybe we're wrong. It's time for a segment. Whoa. It's our regular quiz segment. You don't know Jack off. And this this week's theme. James Bond video game gun or Star Wars droid? I will name something, and Heather and Gorley, you can buzz in and tell me if it's a firearm featured in a James Bond video game or a droid from the Star Wars universe. Uh, I got this. Wow. Okay, well, here okay. we go. <laughs> yeah. Conf- confidence from Gorley out the gate. First up, MP5. Buzz. Go ahead. It's the James Bond game. You are correct. Next up, K2S. Buzz. Buzz. Gorley. It's the Star Wars droid from Rogue One. You're right. FN Buzz. Buzz. <laughs> Heather. Uh, that's a Star Wars droid. No, it's a, a James Bond video game gun. <laughs> I didn't even hear what you said. Okay, I'm just trying to get on, on the board here. Two zero Gordon. Buzz. Next up. Buzz. Star Wars droid. You, you are actually the next one. TT33 is a gun from Goldeneye. Son of a bitch. <laughs> all right. N- all right. Number five. EV99. Gorley. That's the solo droid that from Solo. Uh, EV-99, I'm going to give it to you because it is from Star Wars, but it is actually from Return of the Jedi. Uh, <gasps> next up, GH-7. Uh, Buzz. Buzz. That's, a, that's a James Bond gun. The GH-7 is a droid from Attack of the Clones. <laughs> Fucking shit. <laughs> All right, four more. SWZ SSR 4000. Gorley. Gun. You are right. That is a gun from 007 Agent Under Fire. Three more. C-14. Gorley. Droid. You are right. Do I get a point? Do I get all his points if he gets one wrong? Because I yes. feel like that should be the rule. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm willing to do that. <laughs> all right. Let's see if uh, let's see if Gorley can run the table. Uh, number nine, L337. Buzz, uh, that's a droid. Correct. And that is the droid from Solo. Okay. That's Last the one, one that ends up in the Millennium. Well, okay. Yeah. I should resign on that, that I didn't even get that. <laughs> All right, last one. This one could be tricky. Moonraker laser rifle. Mm, Buzz. Gorley. James Bond gun. You are correct. Wow. Wow. Just just dominance. I ended that game with a negative three. And somehow (laughs) I'm more embarrassed. (laughs) Hey, that was You Don't Know Jack Off. It's time for the question block. All right, this one's from at God, it's James on Twitter. Uh, remember when they made a From Russia with Love game 42 years after the film for no particular reason? What's a film from 40-odd years ago that you think should get a game adaptation? Oh. A Greece-themed rhythm game? Mm. I played that From Russia with Love game head to toe. But I think Smokey and the Bandit would be an amazing video game. Oh, wow. Wow. Mm. Mm. 
God. That's a fascinating I, idea because yeah. that is like I the smoking the bandit. It's just like an interstate chase, basically. Yeah, right? it's a bootlegging run in like a matter of I forget like twelve hours or twenty hours or something. Yeah, like crossing the whole country. It's also some of those older licenses. I feel like are easy. You know, they're 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 going to be just naturally easier to acquire and, yeah. and less expensive. If you did if you did a just smoking the bandit game, that's going to have be a lower budget than your Fast and Furious game. Yeah, or um, Cannonball Run too. Oh yeah. Yeah, I I will say the uh I mean like the this is one of those things where 40 years ago puts us basically at 1980. So that's one of those things <laughs> that just makes me feel old as shit. Um but uh movie I guess I don't know could there be a good shining game? Ooh, could you make that yeah. like a psych- like a like a crazy like horror trapped in a, oh, a yeah. you know trapped in a mansion sort of experience like a Resident Evil? I think where you're slowly losing your mind. I don't know if you're controlling Jack Nicholson if you're, or you're controlling one of his family members or what. Or you're you're Danny, so you've got a little bit of shining force power. And oh, there it's you go. Like his point of view, and you're evading Jack Nicholson and like this the blowjob bunny or teddy bear or whatever. <laughs> it is. I've got one. I think uh, I think somebody should make a Star Wars game. <laughs> Buzz. <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Get Played Pond or send us an email at getplayedpod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 616-2PLAYED. That's 616-275-2933. Matt Gorley, thank you so much for returning to the show. Uh, anything you would like to plug at this time? Yeah, Super Ego Season 6 is coming out free from behind the paywall on the 21st of this month. Other than that, I have not been able to stop thinking about a Shining game since you said that, and I would come out of video game retirement if someone would make that. I would love to play that game. Wow. Yeah. Wow. If any if any developers are listening... Chris Sorrell? Get on the ball. Yeah, Chris Sorrell, if you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, 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 I really I think it's pretty fucking cool that an 18 year old made a video game. Yeah, I mean, it's I know rad. they do it, really it all is. the time now, but in 1990, yes. that's right. fucking amazing, especially in England. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Jesus. laughs> I mean, they barely had computers back then. They were still doing like mechanical Alan Turing computers back then. Enigma machines and shit. <laughs> uh, all right, Apodaca, tell us next week's game. Next week's game. Return of the Obra Din. Oof, this one was rough, right, Nick? Yikes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. I, I, I mean, like, I've... What? What's that? What's going on? Where's that laughing coming from? It feels like it's Don't all Don't you us. see, Nick and Heather, what you've fallen into, my trap, my master plan? Wait, Matapadaka? Are you... A villain? Yes. A supervillain? Yes. And what you've all been doing this whole time, playing the worst and weirdest video games, <laughs> you've ignored my entire scheme, <laughs> and you'll never stop me. Did you put on an eye patch? Did you I've, pull I've, out I've, your eye and put on an eye patch? So to sell this whole thing, you have to have a like a look. And so yes, I did do. But your you're you're missing the whole thing. Your cat Shit, is eating your eye. Blood down your oh cheek. my god! Okay, you're focusing on the wrong thing. I'm attention. bad, and you guys are fucked. You understand? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get, I get sort of the yeah, yeah. aspect. I get that. I get what you're saying. I get that this is all like a plot, the premise of this podcast. But I'm just worried about you. Yeah, your eye. It's gonna get infected. You're gonna. It's awful. It's okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll just put it back. It's uh, it fell out.
Yeah, no, your cat's eating it. Your cat is eating your eye, Matt. You have 10 seconds. To what? For, to what? Eight. Yeah. Seven. You, you're you're going to find out, aren't you? Five, four, three, two, one. Oh, I get it. You're just going to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>